good to be in the house of God. Good to be with all my brothers and sisters. We have a good number of people not here because of camp and then uh, others because of various reasons. Krista Washburn was married this past Saturday. And uh, the Washburn family, they're all out uh, in South Dakota. And then uh, Bill and Carolyn Thorpe went out there. They've been very close to them. And then, of course, people went up north. And then we had some fishermen that went down to Canada. I mean, up to Canada. Sorry. <coughs> and I understand they just really caught a lot of fish. Now, everybody's telling me about fish they caught. I'm going to see how generous they are. You know, I'm just, uh, boy, I love fish. Oh. I just, I love fish, I'll tell you. So they were all telling me how big the fish they caught. Uh, I don't really believe it. I don't believe a word of it. I won't believe it unless I see it. <laughs> all right, First Peter 5, <clears throat> verse 7 Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. You may be seated. And so, I want to dedicate this message to our fishermen. I am titling this message, Casting. All right, so to the brethren who recently went to Canada, uh, Brother Fred Potter, uh, Brother Burry Chernikowski, uh, Brother Ryola Gary, Brother Jim Rivest. I'm missing some. Who else? All right. Uh, Brother Trinidad, Escarado, and Brother Jeff Neeson. All right. This message is dedicated to you. Now, you would think if, if I would dedicate a message to these men, I ought at least. Get a few fish, don't you? Wouldn't you think so? <laughs> don't you think they ought to bring the pastor? You ought to pay your tithing on the fish. How many of you think that? <clears throat> All right. Well, I'll tell you. No, I'll tell you what. I really love fish. <clears throat> I'm quite picky, though. There's only one or two kinds that I don't like. And offhand, I can't think. Well, let's get on with the subject. Casting. And, and, and I'm serious when I say this. I dedicate it to our fishermen and to all of you who... How many of you like to fish? Let me see you. Man, look at this. We ought to all go fishing someday, someplace. Just go fishing. You know, one of the functions of the church is fellowship. We have great fellowship here. You know what? Don't we have great fellowship? Last year, Matthew Moran caught two little bullheads, and he brought them down to the ranch, and we put them in a little stream down there. Had a little styrofoam bucket, brought them on Sunday night, or maybe it was Thursday night, but I think Sunday night. I took them down there and dumped them in the stream. Would you believe, now that was in like the spring of last year, by the end of the summer, Sister Grant and I were out there walking around in, in the pasture, and I looked down, and in that stream, there was a school of little bullheads. Must have been two or three hundred of them, about that long. And we got to looking around, and we saw two or three schools of those little bullheads. 
So uh, I'm into raising catfish now, or bullheads. (laughs) I don't know if there's any water in it now. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure there's water in it, but uh, it's been dry. But uh, it rained at our place today. Did it rain here? I mean, it just really came down for about 30 seconds. (laughs) That's about it. I'm serious with you. I mean, it just came down, just... And that was all over. It was hot right after it came down. Just evaporated as soon as it hit the ground. Casting your cares. Cast, the word cast that's found here. Now this is going to be a topical message. Most of my preaching uh, entails expository type preaching. That's going from scripture to scripture and explaining it. I'm going to, I've read a couple of scriptures, and that probably will be the extent of the reading of the scripture. I just want to uh, preach a little differently tonight so that you will remember this. And uh, you just simply will not be able to, to get away from it. Now, to cast here really denotes a form of sudden motion. Now, it's not taken from the same word that you would find in the Greek where they picked up stones to cast. Because there they're talking about picking up something that is is, uh, solid, that is concrete. Uh, Here it's talking about something that is abstract. But, on the other hand, the word implies the, the, the same thing, but in an emotional or a spiritual sense. You know, like someone threw darts at you. Have you ever had someone throw darts at you? They just did it with their eyes. Every now and then I get a a few thrown at me. And every now and then I throw a few. And do you ever throw darts in your home? Now, we don't have any holes in the walls. At least I don't think so. Maybe the grandkids have put a few, but outside of that. But but you and so this is what it's talking about. It's talking about casting things. The Greek word implies a, a sudden motion, a flying, a quick toss, a hurl or a throw. Just like you would take a, a baseball and throw it, physically speaking that you would be able to take and cast your cares upon God. Now, man by nature holds on to things. Now, I've got a few friends that they, they're in a habit of just picking up things, holding on to things. And I remember not too long ago, uh, I went into a, a, a place and somebody had a furnace just right by the, right by the door, the entrance, and it was a public place. And I, all I said was, uh, what's the furnace for? Oh, I don't know. They just had it at the dump. And thought I'd pick it up. I mean, do you uh, need a furnace? No, but you never know when you might need one. Does it work? Well, I'm not really for sure. Just picked it up. I said, well, that's a good thing to have around, I guess, if you need one. <sighs> but this person... Even though this person is a very responsible person, this person just every time he sees 
a piece of junk, just dollar signs. There's a few homes on the way to our home where, uh, you know, farm homes where just junk, old tractors, cars, you name it. I think it's because basically we don't like to let go of things. Now, some people hold on to things physically, but uh, others hold on to things spiritually, emotionally. Uh, you know, the, the thing about it is that I, I find in, in doing the counseling that I do, we'll have a, uh, a couple to come in and say they, they haven't been getting along. They use the term fighting. Now, when we use the word fighting, not talking about, you know, physical, a physical fight. But they just, they do throw a lot of darts, you know, daggers. <clears throat> Invariably, they will say, we need some counseling because we're tired of fighting. I said, that's very, very simple then to, to solve. If you're tired of fighting, just quit. <clears throat> We can't quit. I mean, if you're tired of doing something. See, when I get real tired, I have to push myself to keep going. Have you ever worked in the lawn when it was real, real hot? This past week I did a little lawn work. And we've been trying to spread some bark. I thought the bark looked so good out here. Brother Brunker, Brother Sonny doing such a superb job. Sister Jeanette with the flowers and just looks so nice. I thought, well, our place looks so grubby. I drive up to church and everything looks so nice. So, Charlie, uh, you and I are going to really fix this place up. I went over to Roy's place and he had just, he manicured everything. It just looked so nice. So, But then the hot weather. So what am I going to do? So I said, no, I'll tell you what let's do. Let's. The way we want to do this is because of the hot weather and we have other responsibilities. We're going to dig around three trees a day. It's not very many, is it? But, you know, if you do this for five days, you have uh, 15. Yeah, that's right. Yes. <laughs> Brother Tim thought I was having trouble there. <laughs> Don't cut in on me now. You get in trouble. Sister Grant cuts in on me. When she cuts in on me, sometimes she'll cut in on me and finish what I'm saying. You know, I get I get hung up. I get real slow with this. Tim does that too, though, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he does. But at any rate, <laughs> we get 15 trees. Can you believe that? So, I only have 14 trees. No, I got a few more than 15, but little bitty tiny things, but... Uh, so we just dig around and we put, put this in. But I'm going to tell you one thing. Uh, when it gets 5 and 6 o'clock in the afternoon, it's hot. I mean, hot, 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 hot. And when I am tired, it's easy for me to quit. The front door can open and I, I can just visualize a glass of lemonade or iced tea. I mean, I'm ready to quit. Why? Because I'm tired. But it's not that way when we get tired of some of these emotional things or spiritual things. So I'm just tired of this. I said, well, if you're tired of fighting, why do you keep fighting? Well, I don't know. Are you sure you're tired of it? Yeah. 
So I've come to the conclusion that a lot of people are not really tired of fighting. They just want me to referee because they're tired of losing. <laughs> they'd like to fight some more, but they'd like to win. <clears throat> so uh, we, we do have things like that. We just can't give up. We just can't. We cannot. We can't release. We can't. We just don't know how. And by nature, man just holds on to things. Pick up a lot of extra things as we go down life's road. Now this message tonight's in the same vein of this morning and last Sunday night. You'll find that uh, this is very, very similar. I talked about mercy. I really do appreciate the mercies of God. I don't know what I would do if God did not come down and forgive me of all my weaknesses and shortcomings. Now, I must ask God. I must confess. I must work. I must do my best to lay those things aside. But quite often, it's just not that simple to just say, well, I'm not going to do this anymore. Have you ever prayed, seriously prayed, God, I vow I will never do this again. This is it. Have you ever done that and catch yourself just a short period of time later doing it? And after two or three times, you say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired of the way I live. Has that ever happened to you? Now, when the Bible says, cast all your cares, <clears throat> cast all your care upon him, means the things that 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 weighting you down, the things that are getting the best of you, the things that, that are just capturing you, holding you captive. Cast them. Now, I played uh, baseball one year in high school. I wasn't too good at it. But I really did enjoy it. I enjoyed playing. I enjoy playing softball. And I played softball with the men. Well, maybe I shouldn't say we had a few ladies playing at church picnic. I played softball for years, but then I got where I I just couldn't physically do it. Now I don't even go out there and watch because. You know, I was so much better than everybody now. So it gets on my nerves when I see people make all these goof ups that they make, you know. Just <laughs> No, seriously though, I can't I really can't watch because I just want to get right in there and play. You know. And I enjoyed pitching. Uh, Peggy Thomas was uh, almost a professional when it came to softball pitching. She was just really good. Played on the city league. Yes, this is Rich is her husband. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. Very good. She was much better than Rich. <clears throat> so, don't you? He's good at desserts. Boy, I, I'll tell you, to, to see, you know, to, to choose sides, I... I always just hated to see sides chosen, especially in church. I remember when I was in high school, we used to choose sides. And we'd choose sides. And we were one or two guys that weren't too good. So we'd get down to those one or two guys. And I always felt so terrible about it. And 
this one guy, the captain, he, he turned to his, all of his players he'd already chosen, and he's trying to figure out which one of the three. And he couldn't make up his mind. I remember one time, the guy turned around, the captain turned around, and told the other captain, said, you can have all three of them. Now, how did it make those guys feel? And man, and, and this, this guy's just standing there. Last one chosen. So what we did, we just started to take, taking numbers, ones and twos, and we divided them, even put them in a hat, and, and everybody just picked a number. If you were a one, you were on one team. If you were a two, you were on the other team, and that eliminated all that. But then it did become quite evident when we started playing, you know, who would have been chosen first. But we'll let the other part go. <clears throat> I enjoyed pitching. And I practiced and practiced and practiced. I, I enjoyed pitching in, in hardball. But I, I found out a few things <clears throat> about throwing because my coach had a very good coach. And the way I practiced hardball, and, and this was uh, kind of when my parents didn't know what was going on, Okay. When mother wasn't at home and dad wasn't at home, I took the hardball, and we had a chimney. And I, I would I would step off from the chimney as far as the pitcher's mound was from the batter's box, and I would practice curveballs and such and throw it against the chimney. And, of course, it would bounce back quickly, and I could not only practice throwing, but also practice uh, catching the ball, snagging the, the ball. And so it gave me a lot of uh, uh, experience. But to take and I remember when my coach showed me how to throw a curveball. You know, you gotta you gotta put your fingers on it just right. You gotta hold the the stitching just right. And of course, there has to be the correct release. You gotta release the ball, and and there's a certain turn of the wrist. And that's all important. It's, and, and, and I remember the first time that I threw a curveball, it didn't curve. It just didn't curve. Nothing happened. So I kept practicing, though. Kept doing exactly what he said. And after a while, you just see that ball just, man, this is all right. And then you get a batter up. And you throw a curveball, you know, and see him strike and miss it. Man. Is it ever great? But you just keep working on it, 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 keep working on it. Do you ever have any idea how long pitchers work on those sliders, those fork balls, those knuckle balls, those curve balls? You could be the best in the world, but they keep on working at it. I remember picking up a book. I took an interest in golf. I picked up a book on golfing. I think Brother Cisco gave it to me, actually. And in this book, uh, Jack Nicholas was talking about golfing. He said, "I in, in practice, I hit a minimum of 1,000 balls a day. Can you believe that? And what he said he did was that he drew circles in the fairway in his practice course because he, he had one on his own property. 
And what he said was that I take the thousand balls and I count how many balls I put in that circle. He said, I don't think anybody can be good unless they put X number of balls. A high percentage, like 75 or 80%, go right inside of that 30-foot circle or something. Now, you've got to keep in mind it's 250 yards or 275 yards out, depending on where he draws the circle that day. And it just keeps hitting and hitting and hitting and hitting and hitting and hitting. Now, I've said all that to say that the amazing thing is that uh, Christians dealing with some of the most important issues of life, much more important than curveballs or golf balls, when we deal with the issues of life, it's amazing to me how little amount of time is spent in consideration of overcoming certain things, of laying certain things aside, of capturing, conquering. I've known of a lot of people that just were very experts. I mean, really. But they didn't have enough discipline to, to get their life together, to be successful with God. Consequently, they picked up a lot of things they just didn't know how to release. So the pitcher, uh, he must have a smooth release. The timing has to be uh, just almost perfect. When you come over, if you're throwing overhand or sidearm or whatever, there is a particular point in which the release has to take place. And then, of course, not only should it be smooth and quick or, or correct, it also has to be quick. When, when the release comes, it, of course, it depends on what kind of ball you're throwing. Some you hold on to and release a little slower. But it has to be done precisely the way that the coach tells you. Otherwise, what happens? You just, you just don't do it right. You're just not very successful. Now, spiritually speaking, I find that this is also true. When we talk about uh, smooth release, how many people struggle with things? Because they just, I don't know, they just, it's almost like they don't want to give it up. Now, we all understand people praying at the altar initially for the first time. You prayed with people at the altar in which you could tell they were struggling, couldn't you? It was almost like a battle was taking place inside the heart. A battle was taking place inside the mind. They struggled and struggled and struggled and struggled. You sensed that when you were praying. And you, you just... You wanted to tell them, look, this can be very, 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 very smooth. If you'll just simply let go. But they don't seem to know how to let go. People pray for the Holy Ghost. We tell them they need to yield to God. They just yield to God. But you know, telling people to yield to God, that's easy to tell them. But for that person to yield... It's a difficult thing. We had a few people receive the Holy Ghost in revival that they received it so quickly and easily that, that they said, I, I didn't know receiving the Holy Ghost could be this easy. I thought it was supposed to be hard. That was their concept of it. But uh, faith was there, but the Hollis instructed them. They just received the Holy Ghost quickly and easily. 
And they said, man, this was just easy. That's why it's called a gift, you know. You know, if you go out and you work for years and you lay out money and you go buy yourself, let's say, a new home, you understand the value of it because you labored so long and hard. And some people receiving the Holy Ghost, they think that they have to labor long and hard. Otherwise, it's just not really valid unless I just put a lot into it. It's amazing how easy it is to receive a gift. You know that? It really is. And this is the reason why that some people, they, they even doubt the validity of their experience simply because it just came so quick and so easily. Just there it was. Started speaking in tongues. Later on, the devil came and tempted them and said, You know, it ought to be harder than that to receive the Holy Ghost. Now, I don't know. How many of you received the Holy Ghost quickly? All right. How many of you sought for the Holy Ghost for a long time or for some time? Okay. See, most people sought for the Holy Ghost. But when the Holy Ghost came, didn't it kind of amaze you as how, how easy it was to receive it? See, I sought for the Holy Ghost for a while. And, and when I received the Holy Ghost, I, you know, it's not like I said, oh, nothing to it. Because I, I, I didn't want that kind of an attitude. But, but on the other hand, I, I was just amazed. Hey, that, this, this was so easy. And then you tell people, yield to God. Yield to God. Now, I've given instructions to people about receiving the Holy Ghost. Remember one boy, I told him, I said, yield to God. He seemed, he was struggling so. And finally I said, look, his name was Gary. I said, Gary, why don't you just do what you feel like doing? I thought maybe that was the right thing to say. I was fishing for some advice to give him so that he'd yield to God. You know what he did? He just stopped praying and just Boom, right over on the floor. Opened his eyes and says, oh, thank you, Brother Grant, for giving me this break. He said, I was just about to die here. Well, that wasn't what I had in mind, you know. But nevertheless, <clears throat> he, was, he was giving up for sure. He was yielding. <laughs> but but, but people, people struggle. I mean, they really struggle with their problems. They struggle with situations. I just talked with someone about a situation that had, had to do with the, uh, just a, a feeling. The person said, well, I think, I, uh, truthfully, I, I think I'm going to have this problem for a while. I said, why? Well, it's just, you know, all the research I've done, it just sounds to me like that they, this person had convinced, maybe I should rephrase this, this person was convinced that was going to take a long time. Why would it take a long time? Because that seems to be the history of this situation. It just takes a long time. Well, why don't you just trust in God? Trust in the Lord. See, lean not upon your own understanding. Trust in the Lord. See, obedience to God should never be predicated only upon understanding, but trust. Trust in God. Sister Becky sung that beautiful song. And I want to say this to Becky. I remember when Becky was singing up at youth camp. Sister Camper, 10th grade, 11th grade. 
here she finished college and up here singing, did a great job. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust thee. You know, don't we spend a lot of time trying to encourage each other to just trust in God, just believe God? It's necessary for us to do that because that's not an automatic thing. It's not an automatic thing. So we should not struggle when faith is high. Just do it. Do it now. Just turn loose and give it to God. Some things, if you hold on too long, you know, they, they can be devastating. When I was a child, uh, it was around 4th of July. I'm not for sure if it was 4th of July or, or maybe Christmas. My dad was a big one to go by the firecracker stands, you know, all the fireworks. Man, he just buy all these fireworks and kind of like Roy does now. You know. Roy, he's in the wrong business. He should be in fireworks. Just my dad would go by and he'd buy these. And that time there were no restrictions. You know, you just buy anything that you were bold enough and brave enough to put a match to. You know, so had some of those big ones. Oh, I was out in the yard, you know. Uh, I was the only grandson, not my grandfather's son. I was the only grandson for years. I had four sisters, you know, and it seems like we just had a lot of girls around. I was out there showing out. So I picked up this firecracker, put it in my hand, lit the thing. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on to it, see. So I held on to a few, and I threw them out, and they popped, you know, just a little ways from your head. You know, just, it was goofy, you know. Guess what happened? Well, to prove my point, I have a scar right here. And right down, I blew all the end of my thumb and finger off. I meant literally. See the bone in there. I held on that thing too long. I just didn't let go. Just, I don't know, I just, just seeing how long I can hold on to this thing without it hurting me. The whole problem is, <laughs> if your time is not quite right, you've got problems. So, I've got scars. And every time I see children with fireworks, I just cringe. I just hate fireworks. I spend money on something that just blows into pieces of paper. But at that time, I just I loved it. Put them underneath cans and blow cans up. You ever done things like that? Man, just, you know, just anything you can blow up, just just blow it up. Cans all swollen out, you know. Just great. I put them in cans and threw them out in the water and they blow up, you know. Cans would sink. Probably East Texas, all those ponds down there are full of cans I threw in. <clears throat> but I held on to one too long. I just have a terrible dislike for fireworks now. I just, I don't really care anything about them. Now, here's part I want to dedicate to the fishermen. My dad was a great fisherman. And 
He just, I'm telling you, he fished so much. I just, I like to fish. But my dad, it was an obsession with him. He would come to Wisconsin and he would stay for two weeks. And you know how, you know how, how many days he'd fish out of two weeks? Every day. And usually two or three times a day. I actually went with him and fished to the point I had blisters on my hand. Casting. I'm serious with you. And he just, he brought fish in and we just, you know, we just gave fish away and he packed fish in the refrigerator and we just fish, 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 fish. I got where I'd just lay in the shade and throw my pole out. I wouldn't even bait it. I was not interested in even getting a bite. My dad one time up, up at Shano, he came up there and said, son, how come I'm catching fish and you're not? You're doing something wrong. I said, well, they just won't bite my hook. Well, you know, the thing about it is fish don't like to bite hooks. They like bait. There is a difference, you know. So he pulled it in. He says, well, you don't even have any bait on this. He said, you went to sleep and you let some fish come and take your bait off. So he baited it up and threw it back out there and handed it to me. And I had a fish on it for before long. Now, that's how much he liked to fish. But I'm amazed. You know, what he could do, he could take and just throw that. He knew how to just flip this thing. I mean, he had a lot of practice. I'm serious with you. Now, I like to fish, but he made, I mean, he made a, <laughs> it was a science to him. And he just figured out just how to do everything, just just right. Just just right. But, you know, the thing about it is that when we, when we address this subject, we're not really trying to catch anything. We're trying to let something go. And many of us are that way with our problems. We, we know just where to cast the problem. And then we just pull it back in. You know, Evangelists come by. Brother Crowder, he's a great one to talk about things like this. Cast all your cares. We just throw it out there. Brother Crowder walks out the door. And in the morning gets in his trailer and goes down the road. We pull it back in. Got my problem. What are you going to do with it? I'm going to put it in my tackle box. A few days later, I'm going to take it back out. I'm going to throw it back out there. My dad liked to fish among lily pads and things like that. I tried, and every time I would try this, I'd throw out. And I'd just I'd get all snagged up, you know. Just, oh, man. And I started casting back when that open face reels. I'm not like they have now. See, the open face reels kind of went out of style for a while. People did use them, now they use them again. But the old ones, when you had the nylon line, and uh, you, th- you throw it out and you get this backlash. Have you ever seen a backlash on one of those? I'm telling you, you, you look at that. You could, what in the world? It's just line all just got up in there. I'd sit down, I'd pick line and pick line and pick line. My dad said, well, son, if you learn how to set the drag on the thing, but you see, I always thought the take the drag off and throw it as far as you can throw it. He said, that, that's not the way you do this. He said, you, you, have to, you have to set the drag so that, you know, when it hits the water, it don't just keep going. But see, I'd get it going so fast, I'd go back like this, and I'd no more, it'd go out about 50 yards. And all of a sudden, that thing would hit the end and go, zoom, come right back past me. I've actually had them to hit me. Now look at this. 
My, my dad was a little bit short on patience. He'd say, look. See, he'd demand I go fishing, but he demanded I do it right. That's the way he was. He said, look, if you're old enough to fish, you're old enough to get your own backlashes out. And I'd sit down there and I'd take a knife and I'd dig and dig and dig and dig. Put the bait back on. He said, look, you're, you're, you won't ever learn. He said, the thing about it is, it's not how far you can throw that thing. It's you've got to have everything set right. But, you know, I just, I'm telling you, I kept that bait in my hand more than I kept it in the water. I'm serious with you. I, there have been times when I just wanted to do like Rich did with the golf clubs. <laughs> and most of you haven't heard about this, have you? i got to tell on Rich. Rich was golfing in Florida. That's when he lived in Florida. And he got so upset at his game that he went over and took his golf clubs and threw them in the water. And then he pulled his shoes off and threw his shoes in the water. He threw everything in the water. And he walked away. He said he turned and looked around. There was a guy golfing behind him. already rolled up his pants legs. He was waiting out to get Rich's clubs. Wouldn't it be great if we could take our problems and dispose of them like that? Just throw them away. Walk away from them. So I, I just disassociate myself with this all together. But see, we're kind of like the fishermen. We throw it out there, but we keep that line attached, and we just kind of drag it back in. My son John likes to fish. He took me to the Wisconsin River. Now, I like to fish in the river. The only thing is there's a lot of rocks in the bottom of that river. And I don't know how I managed to snag every rock in the river. Now, he could just fish and fish and fish. He said, just throw it out there and let it go, Dad. Don't let it go. But you see, I feel i got to do something. So I move it. I said, son, how come I'm always hanging up on the rocks? He said, don't move it. Just let it stay there. Well, you let it stay there for a little while. There's no fish comes by, so I've got to move this thing. All of a sudden, I'm hung up solid. And, you know, you take and you pull and pull. John said, Dad, you're moving the whole boat. Just pulling the whole boat down. We're that way sometimes with our problem. You know, we, one person with a problem can move the whole church with their hang-ups. You know that? Really. And, and we can spend so much energy. Now, we don't mind doing that, but I'm saying it this, that there is a time which we just kind of, we just need to kind of throw it all in. See, we're, we're not... Fishing for, for fish. <laughs> you know, we, we're looking for a way to get rid of our problems. You know what happened? My dad one time, I was fishing with him, and he threw. Now, I've never seen anything this bizarre in my life. He threw, and while his bait was in midair, there was a big mallard duck that came right flying through and saw this thing. I am serious with you. That mallard duck took a dive and grabbed his bait and took out... <laughs> And when he got to the end of the line, you just hear the, the brake on this thing just squeal. Just, the mallard duck's flying. My dad's really. And would you believe he brought that duck right down in the water? He didn't have any choice, you know. Brought him right down in the water, and then, then he tore loose. 
He said, I never seen anything like it. He said, honestly, if we took that duck home and told Francis, that's my mother's name, that we caught this fishing, she would faint. <laughs> I was guessing. This is what I caught. A duck. <clears throat> you know. And and sometimes, you know, when you don't let go, you'd be surprised when you reel it back in what you've actually caught. It just seems to get bigger and bigger and bigger and worse and worse and worse. Seriously. Seriously. And that seems to be the way life is. So, we just seem to catch a lot of things that we don't really need. We're like the guy with the yo-yo. I remember when I first saw a yo-yo. You climb up the string and... But the main thing about the yo-yo is that it's always attached. Not really designed to do anything but come right back to you. And then the little kid, and I got a paddle ball. And attached to a big long rubber band, you, you hit it and it goes way out. And, boy, I'm going to tell you, that, that's, that's difficult. But the ball comes back to you so fast and you just hit and hit and hit and hit and hit. And hit. You ever feel like that with your cares and your problems? Like, I think I just batted this thing away last service. Here it is again. Bat it away. Here it is again. Bat it away. Here it is again. Here it is again. Here it is again. Here it is again. It's like playing ping pong. You get on the other side. You hit it. It's hit right back at you. Hit it. It's 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 back at you. Hit it, it's back at you. After a while, it's, he hit it, he hit it, he hit it, hit it, hit it, hit it, hit it, hit it, hit it. And the volley keeps going. It's just returned back as quickly as you knock it away. The nationals of Australia, the Aborigines, came up with this hunting missile called a boomerang. It's designed to go out and, and hit like a rabbit or a bird. But if you miss, it comes back to you. What a clever thing. And sometimes we put just a little kink on our problem, just enough. When we send it out, it comes right back to us. Right back to us. Would it be nice if somehow we could just do what the scripture says and say, look, this is what the Bible says. I'm going to cast my care upon God and turn it over to him. You know, in the final analysis, when things really get tough and you really don't know what to do, you have to resort to that anyway. I've had a few situations in life in which I just worried and I fretted over this thing. I did everything I knew to do. I prayed, I sought God, I fasted, and finally I came to the conclusion that I just might as well just throw it at the Lord. Give it to Him. Here it is. It doesn't mean I'm not going to pray about it again, but it's not my problem anymore. It's not. Sometimes you have to do that with relatives that are unsaved. Some of you have unsaved spouses. Unsaved children. You know what you have to do sometimes? You just have to take that care that you have and throw it at the Lord. In other words, place it on the altar. 
Say, now God, I know that you will continue to do this. I know that you will. Did you know, I believe in an intercessory prayer, but intercessory prayer can be tough. Do you know that? If you're praying about the same thing over and over and over, I'm talking about in an intercessory way, I mean, it can really get you. I have actually prayed to the point I thought I thought I was just going to burst open. There's something inside that just, oh God, I can't stand this. I, I literally can't stand this. And it just gets a hold of you. I'm not trying to tell you to stop praying intercessory prayers, but I'm saying this, that you can't spend all of your life praying about one thing. Because if you do this, it denotes a lack of faith on your part. That there is a point in which you've got to pray, you've got to give it your best shot, you've got to throw it at Jesus, you've got to put it on the altar. It's not that you forget about it, but you've got to, you've got to open your hand to let God take care of it. So we, we're like the, the fishermen. We throw it out there, and, and just about the time the Lord reaches out to get it, we, we pull it away from him. So, oh no, don't get this, Lord. If you get this, you may break my lure, and so so to speak. Now I, I can't put it in my tackle box. I can't take it off anymore. Am I making sense? Doesn't that happen quite often? Sure, it happens. You know, we just we just had a little situation. You know, <laughs> our our son Steve is is out at the wedding, and he, he has a little golden retriever, and he just loves that little retriever. And he brought it down to the house and said, Watch over our dog now. He gave Charlie and Sister Grant and, and me instructions, and we all said, We'll take care of Ginger. Just oh, We'll watch over Ginger. We get up this morning, guess what? Ginger's kennel door was open. There was no Ginger there. So we had to come to church. Ginger's lost. It's just a dog. But it's Steve's dog. And he left it with us. What are we going to do? So right away we all got negative about it. So oh, she's a hunter. Golden retriever. She's probably miles away from here doing, you know, what golden retrievers do. You know. Chasing pheasants and something like that, you know. What are we going to do? We just, I mean, really, we, we, we gave a lot of thought to this. And uh, finally we said, well, we may never see Ginger again. It's just the way it is. But you see, here's, here's, here's the situation. We said, look, we got to believe. Steve left Ginger with us. we got to believe we can find Ginger. If God can bring John Brunker's truck back from two or three states away, and if John Brunker can drop a package off of a truck down in Illinois and get to the church three days later, God can find Ginger. We've got to believe this. So Charlie got out looking for Ginger. Ginger was up the neighbor's house laying on the porch. <laughs> but but we kind of worried ourselves sick about Ginger. Where's Ginger? We were all out in the yard just screaming for Ginger. Ginger! Ginger! 
Naturally, Ginger can't talk, so she didn't answer back. So where is Ginger? We came to church. Where is Ginger? We went out to eat. I don't know where Ginger is. I said, look, you know, this is a simple little thing in life, but I said, we just have to believe God that we're going to find Ginger. So let's just, Lord, lead us to Ginger. And you may say, oh, Brother Grant, you wouldn't, you don't, you're not that concerned about a dog, are you? Well, somebody else's dog I am. <laughs> now, my own dog, I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> we have a very lovely border collie by the name of Bear. He's a great dog. Uh, Bear stays at home because he's tied. <laughs> I think that's the only reason why. But uh, isn't it isn't it true that 90% of the things you fret about and worry about, it just really doesn't ever happen that way. And, and how many times do you, when things go wrong, you draw the very worst conclusion? I've even had people say, well, I figured this out, the worst thing that can happen. And they, 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 they told me, what well, the worst thing that can happen. I said, why are you figuring out the worst thing? Why don't you try to figure out what would be the best thing? Well, I'm just kind of braced, you know, in case it doesn't happen good. Do you believe that God likes to do good things for people? Do you believe that he cares about you? Do you believe that God would like to do something great for you? I'd like for each one of you right now, in your own minds, to just think of something that has been you know, kind of a monumental situation in your life. Maybe maybe finances, maybe health. And and you would just maybe an unsaved loved one. A mom or dad that's unsaved, a husband, a wife, a child. Maybe maybe some situation with a maybe a a next door neighbor. And, and think about it. If I turn this over to the Lord and let the Lord work on this, if I would just, if I would just smoothly, without struggle, when the timing's right, that is, when my faith is high, just quickly give it to God. And start thinking of the positive side. No, no. Don't be like the yo-yo. Expect it back in your hand in a minute. The boomerang, if it doesn't hit the target, it's going to come right back to me. Or the pulling in of the lure that's all tangled up with lily pads and such. Can I really just cast this out and let it go? Can I turn it over to God? Oh, praise God. Truthfully, I have a few concerns of my own that I simply need to open my hand and let it go. What about you? Are you tired of struggling and fighting over the same thing over and over and over? If you are, can you believe God tonight? Can you trust God tonight? I'd like for Sister Grant to come along with our praise singer. Sister Martha did a beautiful job.
Praise God. Sister Wittenbach. Let's sing the song that Sister Becky sung. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust thee. Praise God. Do you believe that Jesus really does care? If you could just turn loose. Don't hold on to all that stuff that getting you entangled. Quickly release it. Let it go. Sing this with them. Jesus, Jesus, how I love thee. you to do as we sing. I want you to join in saying, I want you to close your eyes and we're going to do our best to be in one mind and one accord here tonight. Let me say this to any guests that we have, if you're here without the power of the Holy Ghost in your life, you know what you can do? You can cast all your sin at Jesus. If we confess our sins, John says he is just to forgive us. You can throw your sin at Calvary's cross tonight. And the great Lord of heaven will forgive you. And cast those sins into the sea of forgetfulness. Never to remember them again. It may be that some member of our church would like to pray with a guest as we do this. But whatever we do, let's all tune in and give ourselves to him. Let's sing it again. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him.